first question is, can you automate design? I don't think so. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Moritz Stefana and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. Actually, I work as a self-employed truth and beauty operator out of my office here in the countryside in the north of Germany. And I am Enrico Bertini. I am a professor at New York University, New York City, where I teach and do research in data visualization. That's right. And on this podcast together, we talk about data visualization, data analysis, and generally the role data plays in our lives. And usually we do that with a guest or two or three that we invite on the show. But before we start, a quick note. Our podcast is now listener supported, so there's no ads. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us with recurring payments on patreon.com slash data stories. Or if you prefer, you can also send us one-time donations on PayPal. Just go into paypal.me slash data stories. That's right. And today we have a very special episode. It's the time of the year again, where we record the annual yearly review, what has been happening in data visualization and what are we hoping for, for the next year. And uh, in the past, we did sometimes invite uh, individual guests or we did uh, around the world episodes. These are also worth checking out from the last few years. And this year we have a special meeting of the top database podcasters. <laughs> so we're really happy to have Ali Torben here. Hi, Ali. Hi, Ali. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. And we have Cole Nussbaumer Naflik. Hi, Cole. Hello. Hi, Cole. Hi. And finally, John Schwabisch. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How are you? Yeah, so we we looked at all the different database podcasters out there and assembled this uh, uh, selected group. <laughs> <laughs> can we briefly make a quick round? Can you tell us a bit about your database podcast and where people can find it? Ellie? Yeah, I'm Ali Torben, and I'm a data visualization designer at the American Enterprise Institute in Washington, D.C., and I'm also the host of the podcast Data Viz Today, and you can find it at datavistoday.com, and my episodes are pretty short. I take one, one uh, data viz that I really like, and I talk to the designer about their whole process and just quick learnings about... Um, data viz that I find in the wild that I really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you just started this year, I think, right? Yes, yeah. yes. March 2018 was my first episode. Fantastic. <laughs> so that's part of the great developments of 2018. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that I thought that I should start a podcast about data viz, being a data viz newbie myself. Yeah, yeah it's been great. really been really great. Cool. How about you, Cole? Uh, I'm Cole Nuswamernaflik uh, from Storytelling with Data, where we try to teach people how to make graphs that make sense. Um, book, blog, and uh, podcast, which uh, we just had our first year anniversary of the podcast, um, which is the Storytelling with Data podcast. Uh, you can find it on the website, storytellingwithdata.com, where roughly monthly, I take a topic and talk about it, something related to data visualization, like designing within constraints or giving good feedback. Great. John? Hi, I'm John Schwabisch. I'm a senior fellow at the Urban Institute, a nonprofit research institution in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm also the host of the Policy Viz podcast, um, where I talk to interesting people 
in the world. Uh, I, I refer to my podcast as lazy man's blogging because uh, this <laughs> is just easy and fun to talk to cool people doing cool work. So um, I publish now every other week or every week um, talking about data viz, presentation skills, tools, all the good stuff. Okay, great. So I think what we want to do in this episode is to do a little bit of a review of major trends, uh, interesting visualizations that people developed, uh, talk about new blogs, new books, and uh, and so on, right? So let's start from major trends, right? So I think it would be nice if each of you can start with what, what do you think were the major developments and trends in 2018? So Cole, maybe you want to start? Sure. So one of the things, and this isn't new, but I feel like, and this is probably more anecdotal than anything, but I feel like there's just many more people putting their work out there than we've had historically. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we see a lot through regular things like Makeover Monday, or there's a storytelling with data challenge that we run on our site. But I think just more blogs and just people putting work that they're doing out there. I don't know if other people are feeling this as well. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling this. I mean, I think it's anecdotal as well, because I, I've only seen the database community in 2018. So I can't really talk to how it's changed. But just from the beginning of the year to right now, it does feel like there's this explosion of blogs. You know, you see a data viz somebody shares on Twitter and there's seems to be almost always a blog post that goes along with it, you know, like how I did this, what tools I used. And I think it's been really great because it started a lot of great conversations around data viz. And um, I, and, you know, I started my podcast in 2018 and it's been, um, it's been a great way for me to learn from other people as well. And I think it's been a really, um, almost like a democratization of <laughs> data yeah. um, opinions, you know, like at the beginning, when I first started, it seemed like, you know, there were some people that everyone looked to for opinions. And now it seems like it's more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's great. Do you think it's, it's getting easier? I think in the past, there was this idea that there was too much criticism and people was really afraid to put their stuff out there. And maybe initiatives like, I don't know, Makeover Monday, and even calls, um, uh, storytelling with data challenge makes it easier for people to even to send out probably even half-baked kind of solutions and 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 look for feedback, right? Yeah, I personally have felt like that as well. Um, it's I was really afraid to put my work out at the beginning mm, as a beginner mm. because I I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to do like one of those bad things like truncating an <laughs> axis and everyone's going to tear me <laughs> apart? But now it does it does feel a little bit more friendly. Maybe that's just part of you know you when you naturally when you join a community, you know, at first mm. you're going to be a little mm. bit you know, scared of sharing your work? I don't know. I still think there's not enough criticism out there. I think this is one of the things that we'll talk about more. <laughs> it's one of the big discussions yeah, probably. Right? Yeah. We need more or less criticism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, when it's too much and when it's too few. <laughs> I, I wonder if part of it is the is the evolution of the social media channels too. Like people yeah. seem mm -hmm. to get a little bit tired of Twitter and these sharp, you know, tweet length critiques. And... I don't know, people sort of got tired of that and said, let's just be a little bit nicer. And so the, the field is evolving in different ways. And maybe we've evolved where we were, the field was a, kind of a little nasty yeah, in some ways, or maybe not nasty, but snarky, mm. right? Yeah. And the snark seems to have declined, but maybe we've gone sort of too far the other way where there's not enough criticism. And, you know, maybe there's not enough 
places to have, you know, constructive feedback and critique. I think people are also just, you know, in general are, are, are apprehensive to put out stuff that they're not done with, yeah. which I, which I totally get right to put out a draft of something. Um, but I think like Moritz, for example, you used to put up stuff all the time that was like, this was, this was my thought process. Here are all the visualizations I made. You did this. I remember a few years ago, I still share this with, with people. You did this chord diagram on, on Muesli, right? For this yeah. German mm-hmm. startup. And you had oh, like yeah. all the iterations that you went through, like how, why did I end up in this, in this, um, in this final version? So, mm. you know, I, I, I think there's, there's obviously space to, to have some more of that going on, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, maybe it, it hasn't been so much more, but I think what people are mostly tired with is this drive-by uh, criticism on Twitter, mm-hmm. where you just, you know, it's just this immediate like unfriendly takedown of yeah. something you don't like to see, and and I think that's actually quite harmful. And and by now, I'm really, really opposed to just quickly dismissing somebody else's word yeah. work in a few like characters. Um, and when I'm I try when I write about something in a critical way, I, I try to frame it now more as a question, like in terms of why did they go with that or why did you <laughs> go with that? You know, was there a specific reason? Because I might not be aware of the idea that went behind it. And often I get much more interesting feedback from everybody if I put it out as a question. So uh, I think that's that's something, even if you don't agree with something, just try and phrase it like more as a question than, than a dismissive statement. But I do agree that there's not enough place for in-depth criticism, like real, like, like as you would talk about a really good musical album or a really good movie, you know, where you would like sort of weigh the pros and cons and talk about the cultural context or something. We don't have that. John, you used to run a site called Help Me With, which was like practically yes. oriented, but it's... Yeah, I still it's have bit, it. Just, yeah, you know, I love that. Yeah. Why did you stop, John? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still have it. Just no one uses it. You know, it's, it's, like a, it's like any sort of social platform. You know, it only works if people do yeah. it. And I, think, I, and I think one of the reasons Help Me With never really did what I was hoping it would do is because people are apprehensive to put up drafts of things either because they, they, they're worried about the drive by criticism or because, you know, the, the, the data are not something they can put out until it's totally done. Or, you know, because part of the goal, part of the thing about help me Viz is you, I ask people to post the data. So when you're asking for advice, someone would have to, you know, give it a shot and not just critique, you know, they would actually have to try their own hand at it. So you know, the, there's some Reddit feeds out there in forums, but they they seem to be um, they're not drive by critiques, but they're just sort of drive by conversations. They don't seem to <laughs> very often be in depth, right? Yeah. They're just yeah. kind of casual. So yeah, it's always the question, and I think in blogging you have the same problem. Is like it's so much work to really do a really good blog post, and it's so much work to write a really good critique, and then yeah. do you get? you get so much out of it that it's worth the effort, I think, in many cases is is the problem, right? But I, I would certainly appreciate it if there was more of it. <laughs> so. Right, that's our problem to solve in 2019, folks. Yeah, yeah, 2019. yeah, yeah we, we can work on that. Yeah. Uh, other trends. Enrico, what stood out to you? Well, you know, I, I'm always looking at the academic side of things, and um, my my sense is that we are slowly but more steadily getting into a situation where there is much more um, communication between academics and practitioners. I think this is this has been a long-term trend and it's going on and I really like it. 
I think um, it was a good choice to do this in Berlin for sure. Exactly right. So I think, I think this in Berlin was was a really good example, yeah. and there were lots of practitioners around. So if you if you don't know. I try to believe this is the main academic conference, and it used to be this place where only academics go. They publish and present their papers. It's very serious, right? <laughs> and uh, and now it's much more casual, and there are many more practitioners around, and uh, that's great. And the other, the opposite is also happening, right? <laughs> so you have more academics going to um, conferences that are not explicitly made for academics. So we have seen more and more people going to open this conference and uh, presenting their research in a way that is much more accessible. And I think that's great. So I think there have been a few academics at OpenVis. I can remember for sure. Steve Franconeri, I think that's that was his first time there, mm -hmm. and, and many others, right? Yeah. So um, that's great. I love that. I absolutely love that. Although I will say it was it was uh, entertaining to me during vi the Viz conference because the Tableau conference, you know, sort of like the other side of the of the of the spectrum with practitioners. Those were sort of those those conferences were going on at the same time. Yeah. And I'm watching my Twitter feed. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, my Twitter stream was going in parallel. Yeah. So it was like it was just the, you know, th there was not a lot of cross cross overlap. And there was, you know, there was even a couple of tweets. I think Enrico, you may have put out a tweet like, oh, we should pay, you know, we at Viz should pay attention to more dashboards or pay oh, yeah, more attention absolutely. to dashboards. Yeah. And I'm like, there's 15,000 <laughs> people in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so it takes time. Yeah. It takes yeah. time. It takes time. I think yeah. people have to be patient, right? These things don't change in, in one day. Yeah. Um, but I think the long term trend is good. And it should be incentivized. Well, and the, part of the gap, I think, is because the Enrico, I, I love hearing what you're talking about between you know maybe a closing gap or more information sharing across academics and uh, data viz practitioners. I think it takes a while though for that then to flow through to like your typical business user, right? Because that's one of the questions that I get again yeah. and again is you know is there a study that would show me this or is there backup for that? Yeah, and so exactly, figuring out right? what are the ways yeah. that we can take the, all the great research that's being done and make that accessible for people to be using in their everyday visualizations. And it's not just that, Cole. I think it's also the opposite, right? So people like you who talk with business yes. people, we want to hear from you and say, hey, yeah. I couldn't find anything about that. Do you have an answer? Yeah. And I would tell you, I most of you the and time, I have time, the answer later is today no. To have just right? that conversation. <laughs> right? It's like, no, we, we never thought yeah. about it, right? So, But then you can, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's our yeah. job, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so both ways. Yeah. Any other trends? Um, yeah, so when I was thinking back, one thing that stood out to me this year is that I feel people are much more sort of self-aware in terms of what data can do at all or how yeah. flawed and how biased and how problematic data is in many cases. And I think yeah. that's great. I think we, we had a fair share probably <laughs> you know, <laughs> of banging that drum. Yeah, I'm almost thinking Absolutely. maybe by now everybody's so aware of the limitations that people have problems just putting out like a quick database because they are thinking like, ah, oh, does it really show this, the right thing? Or ah, can I can I put it like that? Or would I now need to lot, like add a lot of like remarks and asterisks? So my feeling is almost some people might be too self-aware by now and not just yeah. quickly do a visualization of all meteor strikes or something like this, which in the past led to really cool, at least visuals, even though the data was flawed. So <laughs> I think it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting trend. But in general, of course, a very important one that we now understand 
just put like just a publishing it is and b just visualizing it is is not by any means direct way to truth and can even lead to untruths in some points <laughs> in, in some cases so yeah, yeah it's so, so much more complicated this reminds me so during the last few days for some reason i've been looking into climate science trying to see through reports and papers and data and trying to really look why for every single thing, right, you have one person saying one thing, another person saying another thing. Mm. Right? It's so complicated. Once you look at the details, it's like, oh, my God. It's like, <laughs> I can't believe that. It's, so I think that's true for many other, I mean, reasoning with data is so much more complex than we think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think we, we lost our naivete there in both good yeah. and, and bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and this sort of spans multiple fields, obviously. Uh, especially in the States, there's been this big discussion over the census because there's sort of a perceived politicization of, of the census and whether hmm. you know different questions are being added. And then there's a whole, in, in the economics field, there's a whole uh, um, thread of research on the quality of data that we've been using for a long time that is now sort of under attack. And then there's a whole other stream of thought about implicit bias in, in, um, in data and whether the, the information we're collecting at its core is really yeah. representative and whether people are answering right. questions. Um, so it's, it's certainly, I mean, it's a little sort of meta above the data viz field, but it's, you know, it's capturing a lot of different fields and places about how do we think about, the data that we sort of just assumed are capturing things that maybe maybe they're not. Well, and this whole idea, I mean, we could we could <laughs> record yeah. the whole podcast, the whole podcast on that, on right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me stop here. But <laughs> 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 yeah, and yeah. I think another big trend is that we have so many podcasts now, right? Yeah, <laughs> <Yay>. like, <laughs> that's yeah. great. Yeah. It looks like less blogs and more podcasts. And I think it's never been a better time to learn data visualization, right? Like just yeah, getting started. Exactly. I mean, there's so many like online courses. Enrico, you were part of a Coursera course or you, you designed yes. one. There's, there's like loads of online resources. There's great books. There's the, the new podcast, everything. So I think getting started in data is it's, it's the best right now. <laughs> so, that's really cool. Well, it's, that's a double-edged sword, though, right? Because there are all these resources out there, but then it's like, which do you turn to as yeah. someone who's oh, wanting yeah. to do this? That becomes more difficult. Yeah, that's but. true. And I would also argue there's a lot of beginner's material, but not much like that takes yeah. you to the next step. Mm. That's something yeah. maybe the next to, level. Yeah. that I would hope for in the future is like more advanced, you know, masterclass type things. Yeah. Yeah, maybe somebody should do that. <laughs> <laughs> somebody with time. <laughs> Shall we move to the next section? Uh, yeah. Unless there's, yeah. there's something. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we want to do a few great popular new visualizations, but only in very rapid fire mode because it's very hard to describe them, right? So maybe each of us can mention a few of their favorite visualizations, right? Yeah. John, you want to start? Sure. Yeah, um, I, I feel like uh, 2018 was the year of the bee swarm chart. Uh, there were just like <laughs> a ton of bee swarm charts. It's true. It's true. We, you know, flowing data. Nathan Yao, flowing data had a couple of good ones that he did. The New York Times had a really good one on um, a sort of meme that made its way through the through the Twitterverse. Um, I, I think it also it also leads back to a thing that we didn't talk about uh, of reflections of the last year, which is this concept of uncertainty and how we present uncertainty and think about uncertainty and the, and the bee swarm plot is like 
I'm going to give you all the data. I'm going to show you all the plots. Here you go. And, mm. you know, there, I think that that lends itself well to, to bee swarms. So I'm a Can big fan. Can you briefly describe how they look for people who don't know? Yeah, so for <laughs> people who don't know. So, so think of instead of plotting a histogram where you have bins uh, that show the number of observations in each bin. So you have dollar amounts. You go from zero to 10,000, 10,000 to 20,000, 20,000 to 30,000. You have these bins. Instead, you just show all of the observations, right? And mm -hmm. depending on how you lay them out, they kind of look like a swarm of bees. Mm -hmm. um, and they stack up sort of. Uh, yeah, in, and in they the sort of stack yeah. up. Like the, the one from the New York Times uh, that had this 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 meme was each there's there are all these dots and it's going and it's going vertical down the page so it's also a timeline but it's, it's laid out vertically so it's sort of this first tweet at the beginning and then you can see it picked up and then it's sort of you know over at some point there's just a lot of tweets and so that's the, like the widest part of the of the swarm and then it, you know then it eventually sort of disappears and as you go further and further down the page you get further you know fewer and fewer tweets and so it sort of you know tails off a little bit so um so you get this nice this nice um, you, you get a you get a view of the distribution because you can see where the the more the observations are, but mm. it's not just in these aggregate groups. You're seeing all the all of the points together. Yeah, you show the individual and the overall pattern, right. which is the holy grail, of course, right. of data right. visualization. Right. <laughs> and so maybe that's why they work so well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen a lot of them. I think there has also been an R package or a ggplot package. So I think some scientific papers now also use this. And I think that's, again, mostly yeah. do what's available in tools plays a big role. Yeah. 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 Um, big project for me personally, I think for many others, was the simulated dendrochronology of U.S. immigration. I call it the immigration tree rings project because yeah. it's, <laughs> that's how I always remember it. And uh, it's a beautiful project. And it has a really strong visual metaphor. So the idea is to visualize the immigration into the U.S. based on particles. And depending on from which direction people came, they sort of stick to this tree trunk. And at the end, it looks like a, a cross section through a tree. And it's this, it's this beautiful metaphor for immigration. So it's, it's one of these cases where visual metaphor and design and an overall topic come together so beautifully. And I think it's yeah one of the, the really, really outstanding projects from Pedro Cruz and uh, John Weibe and others. And I think it's really fantastic. Cool. I guess back on the uncertainty topic that John mentioned, and I don't know if this is new, but it was the first time I'd really given any thought to it, jittering of this idea of showing motion as a way to hmm. depict uncertainty. That's um, what... Jessica Holman's. Okay, yeah, Matt uh, Kay talked yeah. about it in his Kay, tapestry yeah. uh, presentation and showed the yeah. example where you've got, uh, you know, your speedometer-like graph and the um, the the arrow or the marker uh, bouncing around. And he mm -hmm. talked about how it actually came under a lot of flack that it made people uh, nervous, yeah. right? And they they ended up <laughs> taking it away. And his point was two things there: one, that when it's something you care about, it, it should make you nervous, right? These were these, like <laughs> Democrat, Republican, and yeah. uh, but then also the point that it actually wasn't jittering enough to, to represent the, the true uncertainty. It was like sort of slowed down from that, which I, I thought was interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and motion and, and like behavior is not really exploited that much in visualization. There's so much you hmm. could do there. It's, it's an interesting direction. Yeah. Yeah. Ali, do you have a favorite? 
Yeah, my favorite this year was uh, this one by Jeff Boeing. It was called Comparing U.S. City Street Orientations. Yeah. And it has, oh, yeah, 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 these, there was a, yeah, yeah the, the radar cool charts and they're in small multiples, which, you know, the circles and the small multiples, I'm kind of a sucker for those. So yeah. it sucked me it's in like, what's that to <laughs> probably, probably <laughs> like everybody. Um, but the idea was that he created these radar charts of um, 100 cities and it showed their street orientations, like um, like street grids, like are they mostly running north, south or east, west? And it was really cool because it's kind of like the fingerprint of a city, but it also gave you information because it kind of showed you how easy it would be for like a newcomer to navigate those streets, you know. So I I felt like it was really engaging and beautiful and interesting. Yeah. As you say, interesting topic, perfect representation. It's one mm -hmm. of these, it just hits all the, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's exactly what you want to see. Yeah, mm -hmm. really cool. Anything else? Well, it was an election year. So, yeah, you yeah. know. Can yeah. we have more cartograms and histograms and <laughs> simulations? I mean, there was a, there was um, the New York Times, you know, as usual, uh, had a great cartogram <laughs> where they, they did a cartogram where they had um, a square for every representative in every state. And then they sort of separated the states. So there was white space between all the states. So you had, you know, Wyoming was only yeah. whatever it is. Like, yeah, that was I one that. square. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was, it was just really uh, a clever, a clever use. Um, and the other one I wanted to mention was the, the, again, I have to keep coming back to the times, which I, um, this, they this should kind be of banned from data. Right. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk about them. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk about them. Um, all right, fine. I'm not going to talk about them. So second one, my favorite <laughs> was the, um, the pockets piece from, uh, from the oh, pudding yeah. Yeah. where they compare the size of pockets between men's pants and women's pants. Um, and the the uh, two of the folks from from Pudding um, gave a gave a workshop at Info Plus conference uh, in Berlin in Potsdam earlier this year, and um, you know they talked about how they, they actually went to stores and had to physically measure the mm -hmm. the size Collect of the pocket. The There's data. no database yeah. that has that information. So <laughs> that's the other thing is like hearing about the background of how people go and collect the data and do the do the work and what they found like that. That's really that's. Uh, something I really, I really like, but yeah, that was, I mean, uh, basically all the projects from the pudding I, I really like, but that one, that one stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. So we're keeping it, we're keeping it tight here, Enrico. Yeah. We got, we got, <laughs> that's good. That's <laughs> everybody's <laughs> rambling forever. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the New York times over and over and over again. That's all. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, so wait, but wait before before yeah. we go on. So so, so yeah, let me right. let me just make a mention about the times. Like, yeah. Obviously, they they do great work, but I also feel like a lot of the major newspapers have the, the data viz has gotten, I'd say, exponentially better over yeah. the last year. I mean, I, yeah. and I'd have to like think hard about whether it's just 2018, but I feel like you know the Financial Times, the Economist, the Washington Post, the Guardian. I mean, I know they're all major news organizations. So they have an advantage over sort of smaller news groups, but I think the the work that the data viz work that's been coming out is just is just been extraordinary. Um, and even some of the ones that are like not U.S. based that I don't read as frequently, like yeah. the Berliner Morgan Post, oh yeah, and the Hindustan Times, like just yeah. um, and there's one in the South. What is it? The South China Morning Post is yeah. doing yes. great work, consistently just, doing yes. great yeah. work, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's because 
you know, I don't National know. Geographic, obviously. National Geographic, obviously. National Geographic, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because the teams have gotten bigger or the tools have gotten better or or what, but I just I think the work has just gotten you know really mm-hmm. really good um, mm-hmm. across the board. I, I agree, and I think the yeah, as you say, it's really really solid work, especially like from the top ten twenty outlets yeah. <laughs> there. At the same time, I think maybe the phase of where the biggest innovation in database comes from journalism. Maybe it mm-hmm. was like that in the past few years. Maybe that's going to change in the future. My feeling is a lot of interesting innovation will come maybe from technology. Think about VR, AR, you know, new display techniques, things mm-hmm. like this. Or maybe uh, generally user interface design, UX design, when we think more in the tools direction. So that's something uh, maybe for later <laughs> if we discuss like future trends. I yeah. could imagine that data journalism as the like innovation powerhouse of data visualization might sort of hand that over now. And maybe because they have sort of perfected that <laughs> already. <Right>. And so <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe now it's time for database to, to seek new inspiration elsewhere. Potentially. It'll also be interesting with the, with some of these new tools like Flourish and Google Data Studio. And mm. I mean, you talked about them on, on the show with Andy Kirk. You know, there's a whole bunch of them. But a lot of them, especially Flourish, for example, seems targeted to the smaller organizations, particularly news organizations. And so it'll be interesting to see over the next year whether those groups take advantage of those tools and are able to create you know, even better visualizations because, you know, there are certainly people in those places that can do great work. They just, you know, they're, they're probably managing like 900 different tasks at the same, at the same time. And with better tools that are easier to use that, that maybe they'll, they'll be able to spend more time on the creating creative content. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting evolution in the, in the tool space too. So since we're talking about tools, maybe we can go quickly through what happened in terms of tools in 2018. Yeah. So I think from from, from my side, I'm really happy to, I, I really enjoyed seeing Altair um, taking shape, right? So that's basically the evolution of, what is that, Vega, then Vega Light, Vega Light yeah. and all the ecosystem. And um, I think Altair is a version of Vega Light for uh, Python. And I think that one of the reasons why this is exciting is because um, since this, since Python is basically one of the main or the main language for data scientists, um, I I can see how this is going to lead data science data scientists to adopt many more of the visualizations that we create and also introduce some interaction. So I think a very interesting aspect of Altair is that it's based on the grammar of graphics. Uh, but it's also an extension of the grammar of graphics to interaction. So I expect to see many more interactive graphics coming from the data science area. So I think that's that's really, really exciting. But yeah, there were a few a few more tools out there, right? So for instance, I don't know, we had, um, what is that, DECGL and KeplerGL from, from Uber. I think that was one of the major developments as well, right, Moritz? Yeah, I mean, these are really substantial tools that allow you to plot like hundreds of thousands of points in the browser, mostly maps. And it's something, um, yeah, that was very, very hard to do beforehand. Uber has been doing great like open source work there. And I think this will show also in the future. There's also Mapbox with Mapbox GL, which allows you to do very similar things. And now suddenly it's very easy to make really good looking maps with like... (laughs) 
millions of or hundreds of thousands yeah, of data right. points. So yeah. it's yeah, kind it of insane. Completely yeah. customize the base map with Mapbox. They have just yeah. had such amazing progress this year and you can integrate it with a lot of different things. Like I know the Tableau community is using it a lot because hmm. you know you can they're they're very familiar with Tableau and then you can just layer all all your data on these custom maps and have something yeah. beautiful. So it's a lot of a lot of great mapping things this year. Yeah, yeah, and technology yeah. has has developed a crazy way in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to ask Cole, Cole, what is happening in this in the business world? Right, I, is 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 people mostly working with? Tableau and Excel. Yeah. So on the business side, it's still, so Excel remains pervasive. It's everywhere. Uh, there are definitely mm -hmm. more and more groups, mm -hmm. you know, Tableau has a huge following uh, where a lot of uh, groups, when once they put Tableau in place, it becomes their sort of one-stop shop for everything data viz. Uh, mm. Power BI is uh, another Power one. BI, for. Yeah. Oh yeah, of uh, course. But I yeah. haven't seen... So when we talk about these new tools coming out, I, I haven't seen them on the business side. Hmm. I mean, on the web, you're like quick to like try something new every half year. But if you have like bought yep. licenses yep. for like six figures or something, you know, you don't swap them out every two months. I mean, <laughs> I've seen a few more of these um, browser-based uh, charting libraries like Vizlo and Vengage and Infogram. I'm not sold on the name. You're making up these words there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a little. I've seen a little bit. Sounds like a Silicon Valley episode. Um, you can, you know, you can, you you can make relatively simple charts and graphs pretty quickly and easily. Mm. Um, but but also they they tend a lot of them some of them tend to lead you down paths that I think most people in the field would, you know, caution you against going down, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of circles, you know, that bendy bar chart thing or wraps around the circle. You know, I think most people would caution against that, but that, the, you know, those are really easy to make. Um, but they're, they're, they're pretty good in there. And I'd say they're, they're also fairly easy to customize. I mean, not maybe to scale, uh, but you can drop in your your branding for your organization for some of these pretty pretty quickly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the and then the other one is uh, the Charticulator Project Lincoln Data Illustrator group, uh, which I know you guys talked about with Andy Kirk last time on the show. But right. Yeah. I I like this this trend of or these these tools where they're sort of blending the data work onto a canvas, like an Adobe Illustrator canvas. Um, you know, I don't. I've played with Charticulator a, a bunch, and I, I I really like it. The the thing is that it's in some ways limited. It just you know, it's not. I mean, it's, you know, they'll con hopefully continue to develop it. Um, but it's it, it is a it is a different framework and a way of thinking when you are you know sort of dragging and dropping, but you know, in, using the encodings as opposed to you know drop down menus. Mm -hmm. You have to think in a in a kind of a different way. Yeah, and I really appreciate this whole direction of. This sort of crafty database becoming yeah. much more available to 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 wider groups of folks and also beginners. That in the beginning you don't just start out by learning all the chart types by heart, but really playing a bit with data and yeah. seeing what different encodings can achieve or cannot achieve, and really really work much much more freely. And if this trend yeah. continues, which I really hope, I think we will see a lot of. As you say, maybe also a lot of bad charts, let's say, yeah. uh, air quotes, but but also lots of really interesting developments. And so yeah. um, in doubt, I'm always for more diversity. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
I just like the way you can move. It feels like you can move a little bit more freely between the different graph types in some of these tools where yeah. you could create, you know, a chord diagram where you have the observations around the outside of the circle and the lines are, are connecting the ones that are correlated. And you can move between that and say an arc chart where it's stretched out on a single horizontal line. And you could create a matrix where it's, you know, a grid using circles or squares. And, and, and you can sort of move almost seamlessly between those different representations, which is a really nice way to be able to think about how do I want to present this, my data to this particular audience where, you know, the core diagram might be great for a food company, right? But, you know, the matrix might be the right representation for an academic paper. So I, I it seems more, a little bit more seamless and a little bit more, I don't know, there's, there's a little bit more movement where you can see how they, how they transition from one, um, one approach to another. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's exciting. Yeah, I think what, what is impressive of Charticulator is that basically an academic prototype and it looks like 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 a product, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's been a, a a trend in in academia. I have seen more and more people doing creating prototypes that look as close as possible to final products. That's that's exciting. That's really really exciting. And um, so maybe I can briefly touch upon academic developments, even if we have done that in our review of the this conference. Um, but I think so. A few a few major trends that I've noticed there. I think uh, we are going towards a little bit more automation. People people are exploring, trying to figure out what are clever ways to introduce more automation visualization without making it crazy, right? So more automation in a way that it's helping you rather than hindering you or forcing you to go in a specific direction. Mm. So there are some some of these developments. And I, I'm always a little cautious because it can very easily go haywire where they pretend to give you, like you push one button and there's a solution, right? That's never going to work. But when I talk about automation, if you think about how Tableau works, for instance, there is a little bit of automation there because it tries to in infer what is the best graph for the fields that you selected, right? Mm. And it gives you a first best approximation and then you can change it. And I think there are, there are people in the academic world who are exploring this idea further. Uh, I think especially from the IDL lab and uh, Jeff Hare's group, but he's not the only one who is doing that. So I think that's, that's interesting. And I think it's definitely worth exploring. Um, I think another trend that I find really, really exciting, I have seen more and more people from the area of cognitive science and perception science to, to do a lot of work in the academic world. So I think the, the this conference used to be mostly um, people from computer science, right? And a few geographers. And now we see more and more people from cognitive science. And I think that's a really good development. We, we need, we need their help. We need to understand better how humans think with data and visualization. There are lots of open issues there. And, um, I think that's great, right? And so there are people like Stephen Franconeri, who I mentioned earlier, Steve Harrows. They are both very, very active on Twitter. Um, that's great, right? And other people like Karen Schloss, we had her on the show. She's an expert on color. Uh, um, Lace Padilla, she's doing, um, she published a couple of really, really interesting papers on uh, 
visualization and decision making and mental models. And there are even more people, right? They also have a group that is called, I think, this this for vision or something like that. And um, it's really exciting. I, I hope we're going to see more and more of interesting developments in this direction. And uh, and finally, I think another trend is, of course, um, the intersection of AI and visualization and this idea of using visualization as a way to understand better how AI systems works. There is this whole space of explainable AI that intersects with visualization. And there's no way AI and machine learning and deep learning is not going to have an impact on <laughs> visualization technologies for, mm. yeah, for better or worse, right? We don't know. But uh, this is already happening, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see more, more of these kind of developments in the future. Yeah, and I think we will also always have to relate to machine learning and AI and say, like, what's our role there? What's our position there? Um, are we yeah, all being I'm, made I'm, obsolete by machines? You know, like, especially the I data visualizers. <laughs> uh, who knows? And so I think we'll, we'll have to find, find a position there or find our, our niche in that uh, new space. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think that, that that's going to impact the visualization side or, yeah. or more on the data side of things like uh, like constructing both. simulations and and being able to pull more data sets together well there are, there are already people who are trying to do crazy things with with ai things like figuring out um, well figuring out what's the best plot for for a given problem and trying to give mm. you a solution right, right. sifting through millions of plots that people created for a given problem. And so there are all sorts of crazy things happening right now. Mm. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, but I don't know. I think we we have to let people free to explore and see what happens. Well, and then interesting if you think about, right, if automation happens in that way, what sort of skills people are going to need in the future, right? Then is it more the translator yeah, communicator, right. right? If the analysis and graphing pieces are We don't know, right? Automatically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but also, I mean, First question is, can you automate design? I don't think so. Yeah, Being I don't designer, think so too, you know? right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, skeptical. Yeah. But yeah. but I think, yeah, there, there will be much more powerful tools who do a, like a first approximation, yeah. maybe give you 10 good options, and then you, as a designer, pick among these 10 options and start to refine them. And I think that's an interesting and also like a very exciting perspective. Um, I think the other thing is, of course, a lot of the projects where we might now be booked as data visualization experts to help could also be maybe next year people book an AI expert mm -hmm. <laughs> and say we can skip the data visualization part. I don't think it's a wise idea, but I think it's going to might be sign of the times. Um, Even and, though and in many ways, I think a good corporate data visualization project might in the next step lead to better automation in many cases. Yeah. Because you have a better grasp on the data, you have a better yeah. understanding of the patterns in the data, and you might be able to identify a rule or a, a statistical, you know, correlation you hadn't seen before, and, and build that into an automated system. And so, I think we have to also think about how do we, like that, we are sort of enabling AI and machine learning and being complicit in some cases with automated decisions, of course. And so we have to think about what, what our yeah. role is there. Yeah. yeah. But I think what, what I want to say is that on the positive side, 
there is this whole area of how do you use this to help people understand what these AI systems That's do. That's the other, the other right? way around. Yeah. And there yeah. is this, uh, I forgot to mention, I think Google is doing is doing great in this direction. They have this new pair. Mm-hmm. Which I don't remember exactly what pair stands for. People uh, in AI. People in AI research. something, right? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Fernanda Viegas and yeah. Martin Wattenberg are the main these people behind this project. There's also Definitely Distill Pub, fantastic Distill online Pop, publication, right? dissecting, yeah. like machine learning in a really yeah. beautiful yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And there's Hendrik Strobelt from IBM is being publishing yeah. great work on using visualization to look into um, deep learning, very complex deep learning problems. So that's an exciting, very exciting area, right? How do we use visualization to look into models, complex models and systems rather than data, right? Yeah. So I I expect this to be even, even bigger next year. Moving on, I think Moving we on. should yes. come to the next Let's section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we touched a bit on it already. So what are the most notable people, companies, studios, like folks putting out interesting work? Enrico, you mentioned a few academics already you found interesting. Les Padilla, Karen Schloss, Steve Harris, Stephen Franco Neri, and so on. How about the others? Ali, uh, who stood out to you this year? I think... Um the person that I find the most interesting right now to follow is uh, Topi Chukanov. He's actually a uh, geographer in Finland, and he does a lot of these fun, quirky uh, mappings that he shares on uh-huh. Twitter. And, you know, it's not his day job, but he does a lot of experimentations like, you know, doing isochrones for different cities and have and animating them so they look like heartbeats. And, you know, it, maybe, I mean, necessarily it doesn't need to solve a problem or maybe it's not, you know, 100%, you know, the best viz for that particular data set or whatever. But I just love that he experiments and he puts it out there and he's just like, love it or hate it. I'm, I'm doing <laughs> what I love. And <laughs> I really love watching it. I love watching what he makes and um, people's responses to it. Yeah, great. Cole, do you have a favorite? Uh, so one that's been coming up a lot lately, uh, Elijah Meeks. So Elijah gave the closing keynote at Tapestry uh, mm-hmm. Conference a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. and, and I don't necessarily agree with everything. Or <laughs> I don't agree with everything he says, I should say. But he's been um, really good at... at- yeah, generating It's this like food for thought yeah, of like, exactly. well, but what if he's right and what does that mean? And so <laughs> his talk was the, he called it the third wave of data visualization, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is where he thinks we are uh, in terms of, you know, no longer should we be looking at a single graph or a single type that really it's, you know, these modes and different pieces that we should be putting together. And it kind of blows my mind when I step back and think about it a little bit. Because then it's like, well, how do we talk about that? And how, how do we give each other feedback? in this new world. I was going to say Elijah's um, uh, Twitter persona also relates back to our discussion earlier about critique, right? right. And he's sort of, he sort of, I think, you know, he's written about how he sort of comes off surly sometimes and how that, how that is received and um, uh, as, as critique of a critique of the project versus critique of the person. Um and again, as it mostly usually is, it's how you say it. It's usually it's not always the contents how you say it, right? Well, uh, Cole, he in his um, interview with you, he said he didn't have that gene, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, keeping yeah. the. Um, but I feel like maybe I got his gene because I feel like I have two. Like my work and you know my you know personality, my 
I don't want to say self-worth, but like, I feel like that's all in one. And to me, when somebody critiques my work, I do feel like it's a critique on me and I am trying to get better at that. But I I do still seek out critiques, but it is when somebody, you know, just says something really off the cuff, if they don't um, experience it that way, I can see how that they might assume other people don't experience it that way either. Um, So I feel like um, I... I am trying to get better at that, at receiving critiques, but I do feel like some people are more sensitive than others, and that can make it difficult as well to give and receive it. Well, and we haven't found the right forum for it, right? Because it's right. different when you sit down one-on-one with a person and talk mm, through things totally versus different. this like yeah. anonymous, you know, you shoot off your mouth and yeah, don't think about the person on the other yeah, end and, of that. Yeah, and, and Twitter seems to be engineered in a way that it pushes people to use this inflammatory, right? It's like this narcis, yeah. short message, and then you feel like tension in your body. It's like, yeah. ha, I'm going to fight back, right? <laughs> it's like, I can't tell you. I mean, I mean, it took me so many years. I think I improved a lot, right? But maybe somebody should write a guide on how to resist this, <laughs> this tension and say, hey, okay, l- let me see what's the best way to, to have a productive conversation But I think here. this is where we can borrow from other fields, right? Where, I mean, everything's borrowed from other fields, but in design, yeah. y- critique is part of what you learn and part oh, of what yeah. you seek out. Yeah, and sure. we just need to figure out how to how to build in places to do that and the right language yeah. for that in the data viz community. But in design, the design crit is in a totally different setting, yeah. you know, than in a stadium of, you have to imagine Twitter, yeah. you have, <laughs> yeah. we all have tens of thousands of followers. So it's basically, we all have a microphone yelling into a football yeah. stadium, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is not a good space to like it's blurt out place. your ideas of how you think that project you looked at for 10 seconds, yeah. <laughs> you know, how you would have done that. And in a design crit, you have a shared context. So you know the challenge of the project, you know, the objectives, you know, the constraints. You have a mutual relationship, so you have trust, you know, and and then you can be brutally honest. And um, people who work with me know that it's not fun. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. uh, I have There's- strong opinions on the qualities of different solutions, you know, it's, but that happens in a different space, this type of critique. And I think that's very important to, to understand these spaces and act accordingly. <laughs> it's yeah. just my take on it. It, yeah. it. It's also the case that the data viz field may be unlike a lot of fields. People come to it from lots of different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So what the culture might be in economics, that's, that's fair game for critique may sound completely foreign or, harsh or friendly or overly friendly or whatever it is in, you know, in the design field or in the UI field. So you have all these different uh, backgrounds and fields and cultures coming together. And and so there's not that sort of shared experience of where we've come from so that we know what the, what the, what the atmosphere is and what the attitudes are. They're just, we're all from different places. I don't think you know, I've had any two people on my show from the same background yet, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, what a journalist may, what a journalist may, how a journalist may critique um, may seem fine, um, but listening to an economist critique someone, that may seem completely, you know, harsh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it may be fine in that different field. So, sure. yeah, yeah. Anyways, talking about also productive yeah. ways of like yeah. pushing the field, <laughs> I think Lisa Rost. With her data repertoire, oh, yeah. did an amazing job. This That's year an highlight of, for me. Yeah. yeah, it's like just being super educational, fun, yeah. and, and really also moving things forward. 
on yes. the, let's say, the basic level, the ground level, but in a very fun and very productive way, I think. So I, I, I love her style that she has yeah. established there. I was really skeptical when she told me she would join Data Rapper. <laughs> I was like, why would you join a tools company? And now it all makes sense. So I'm, I'm super happy how this one turned out. So Yeah, and the book club as well, right? Yeah, the way they do the book club is... These are all very inclusive, welcoming things, I think, that, that also help improve the quality. I'd never seen a book club done like this, where they do it on a notebook. So it's actually, everybody's typing <laughs> at the crazy. same time. It's, it's really fun to watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I was going to mention um, Neil Richards, who's a, a, a Tableau Zen master. I was going to say Tableau guy, but Zen Master sounds better. Uh, Tableau Zen Master, who's just been doing, I think he's been doing great work this year. He's been writing a lot more, I think. I think he started his blog um, this year, right? Questions and started database. this year? I think yeah, so. he may have started this year. Yeah. Um, and I also What's the name like, of the blog again? Questions in Data Viz. And so each each time questions he poses a question and then the blog is, you know, illustrations of uh, responses mm-hmm. to that. Great. And yes. I think he's done some some really creative things with Tableau. Right, where, where he doesn't a, use it in the typical way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there was one that he did recently, uh, How Do We Visualize Music? And he did this really cool. beautiful, um, it was inspired by somebody else's uh, visualization of Pachelbel's canon, but uh, visualizes in an a- animated fashion, handles water music. And so you're listening to the music and seeing it, and it just it was beautifully oh, done. Nice. And then he writes about how he does everything too, which I think is a nice yeah. way of making it feel really accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, another person that I'd like to mention just r- before we move on, Kat Greenbrook. I think she's probably a little bit less known. She works out of New Zealand. Um, Rogue Penguin is her site. But she does these really beautiful, <laughs> yeah, does these beautiful <laughs> scrolling <laughs> stories where it's mm. um, it's a really nice blend of story and words and data visualization and hand-drawn images. So she did one on the green sea turtle. And so you're, you're scrolling through and seeing how uh, the warming climate is contributing to the population decline and all these different pieces and how they fit together um, that are nicely done. Nice. Before we move on, I want to get two mentions in, if that's okay. So one, I think we mentioned them before, but we should mentioned the pudding again oh, yeah. this year yeah, has absolutely. been amazing for them amazing. they really found yeah. their, their voice fully now and it's they always did like also the years before cutting edge projects but now they just have this constant rhythm of putting out high quality work uh, i love the human terrain um project where they show population density in 3d and i was like ah. oh, first yeah. i was like why do they do 3d and then yeah. it was like ah now yeah. i know why they did 3d because <laughs> it's it works and it's beautiful yeah. so uh and i think yeah just fantastic work the pockets piece and many others that were really i also really love the way that piece especially uh it i mean i know lots of places do this but it knew where you were so that when yeah. you loaded you loaded in the browser, it brought you to New York or brought you to, to Chicago or brought you to yeah. you know wherever just, you were in the world. Yeah. It's just really well done. Nailing all these details and yeah. it's just masterful work this year. So yeah, great stuff. I think what is really interesting and innovative in, in some way there is also the kind of business model that they are using, right? Yeah. So they're trying yeah. to make the this, community, this the kind sort of, of things profitable approach. in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I really admire them for what they're doing in this sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also have a Patreon running. They have a Slack where they share previews of their project. They do Q&As, behind-the-scenes material. So it's this whole... Gesamtkunstwerk, basically, that comes together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Ah, 
Got a German word in. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally. Check. 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 Yeah. 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 And finally, last shout out to Valentina De Filippo. I, yes. I knew her work already from last year, of course, and the years before. We know her from Space Oddity, which was yes. fantastic last year. This year, she had a, another couple of really great projects, the Me Too Mentum visualization of tweets around the Me Too uh, movement, um, fantastic sound visualization project where they measured sound in a soccer stadium, like very yeah. precisely. Yes. and. Yeah. Uh, she had a beautiful talk at Info Plus about her workshops where she asked people to draw world maps. So all these great ideas and just such a high level of execution. So she's she's been on my map this year for sure. Yeah, she uh, just on, on that last part about the maps. Um, so at Info Plus, she did this talk on how she would have her workshop participants draw a map of the world from, from memory right, right. and how different people coming from different places would center beautiful. the map in yeah. different spot, which is great. Yeah. And she, uh, I, I had to teach my son's fourth grade class. And so she she helped me develop the, the a similar idea so she's done this for schools, and the idea was instead of drawing a map, you have the kids draw a floor in their house. And so mm, they have yeah, to draw all, yeah. the, all the rooms, and then <laughs> they could add date on top of it. So they draw circles, nice. you know, size circles where it's the most fun or where they watch TV <laughs> or something. So, Love it. Um, yeah, so she, I, I think that, that the development of those, of those um, teaching and learning skills are, are really impressive. Yeah, I, I like what she's been doing. Yeah, maybe let's talk about conferences. There have been a few good ones. So I think that seems like a good sequel here. So yeah. I, I think we heard about OpenVizConf already, mm -hmm. about Information Plus Tapestry, mm -hmm. the Viz Conference. Just that yeah. Yeah. So I think there have been a few real, um, yeah, conference highlights uh, this year. Were there any talks that stood out to you uh, in particular? Anything people should definitely watch? Yeah, for me, I mean, there are, there are a few for me. At Info Plus, Catherine Dignazio did this talk on data feminism. She and um, Lauren Klein have a book coming out. Well, probably not coming out for a while, but it's but it's it's on it's open that you can you can submit comments. Um, that yeah, was it's a, a really public group. review, which is also yeah. a fantastic model. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can read the whole book and start to comment on it already, yeah. although it's not even printed yet. So that's great. Yeah. Um, I thought she gave a, gave a great talk, and then um, Aaron Williams at, uh, at at OpenViz gave a talk about the the piece he did at the Washington Post on segregation in America, um, in, in both the process that he went through, but also the content. Um, what I thought was was really interesting, and yeah. also my 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 I think he he gave the favorite answer uh, to a question. Where the you know the question was why was it a dark background. Uh, instead of, you know, sort of the standard white, you know, black yeah. text, white background, the whole thing sort of had its own page. It was a dark background. And his yeah. answer was, honestly, because I think it looks whack. And I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right, man. It does. It's great. It's, yeah. a, it's a very valid reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else? OpenViz was great. InfoPlus was great, too. I, I really yeah. also enjoyed uh, Ron Morrison at InfoPlus. Fantastic talk. It's like one big arc and really beautiful how he connected all the pieces. And basically his whole narrative at the end ends with one project that brings all this together that we was talking about. Really beautiful, like overall arc. And uh, at OpenVizConf, I also really enjoyed Sean Carter. He, and this is mm. more along the visualizing AI and, mm -hmm. and distill pop lines. And he, he made really good points about how I loved his idea of, of, 
a data visualization, an interactive data visualization, basically being an interface for an idea. So basically what you encode or what you make accessible is an idea of how you can think about something, which is tr just a tremendous way of of, mm. of thinking about these things. And uh, yeah, really beautiful talk as well. There were a lot of good ones from Tapestry as well. And they actually posted all of the videos mm -hmm. from those uh, this past weekend. So those are available. Uh, Amanda Mall Collect, wow. they did yeah. this series of really short talks. It was like five minutes each. John did one of these, uh, but one that stood out, Amanda Mall Collects. So she, she stood up and talked about... Uh, being on the receiving end of data visualization. It was medical um, genetic testing mm -hmm. data that was shared by her doctor with her. And basically what an awful experience that was, even for someone who is considers themselves to be very data mm. literate and how that shift has mm. helped her think about how she designs from an empathetic standpoint uh, for the consumers, depending on what the topic is. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah. The, the, the whole idea of visualizing mm -hmm. personal mm -hmm. medical data, I would love to yeah. see more of that. Yeah. What's what's interesting, though, if you think about 2019, is there looks to be sort of a lack of conferences. So, like, OpenViz <laughs> is going to take a year off. InfoPlus is the year Tapestry off. Tapestry Tapestry is sort of up in the air. Yeah. Um, so uh, we need more conferences. We need more conferences. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I just I want I want to also say like there's a ton of meetup groups and Tableau user groups and DataViz mm. meetup groups and. Every once in a while, there's a gem that shows up on YouTube somewhere of someone someone giving a, a really good talk, and maybe that's the the hole that needs to be filled in, in 2019, especially where you know some of those some of those local user groups that the content needs to be you know uh, I mean it's hard to do. It's not like you can you know necessarily easily set up. I a think a lot of them do record. Get though. a good get a recording. Yeah. And I, mm. it's just something that, you know, that may be, you know, next year talking, you know, the end of 2019 talking about this, we may be looking back on the year of presentations from smaller meetup groups. I don't know. Or maybe Ellie, you need to start Data with Today Conf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually went to a conference this past weekend in DC and it was similar what um, John was just talking about. It, it's the local R stats um, meetup. They did their own conference in DC and one presentation that stood out to me was with Tyler Morgan Wall. He's local to DC. And he created this package in our stats this year called Ray Shader that lets you easily create like a hill shaded map um, just with elevation data. And like there was just audible gasps from the crowd seeing seeing these <laughs> like, almost like 3D maps. But it, it's bringing up this big thing, you know, on, on Twitter and, you know, elsewhere for him about should he even be creating this because, you know, 3D is bad. And his in his talk, he was like, 3D is not bad. It just depends. <laughs> when you don't have That's a third bad. dimension, don't do 3D. But a lot of times it aids, yeah. aids in your understanding a lot. So that was a really great talk that I heard just this past weekend. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's true, the meetups and local events are quite substantial and maybe... On, not as much on the radar, like globally, but in yeah. some can can have a huge impact and and can be such a great thing. Yeah, it used to be much more lively here in New York, and uh, yeah, maybe we have to step give it up a your boost. Game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we blame you, Enrico. That's your yeah, <laughs> as if I need one more one thing, more thing my, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Cole, I mean, Cole did, you did a talk at the Westchester mm -hmm. Tableau yeah, and in group, London. right? This year? Yeah. And in London, right. Okay. So should we talk about books? It's incredible. We, there, yeah, we have lots of books coming up or, or published in 2018, right? 
Yeah. John, you want to start? Yeah. I mean, there were there was a lot of books that came out in 2018, and then there's a whole slate scheduled, I think, for um for 2019. Um, so in 2018, I mean, we don't need to walk through all of them, but you know, there the, the ones that stuck out to me was the Makeover Monday book from yes. um from Andy Creeble and Ava Murray, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that one stuck out to me. Um, there was a cartography book uh, by Kenneth Field, who gave a great talk at, at Tapestry. Um, that book is um, becoming that book, and um, Mark Monmonier's book, How to Lie with Maps, which was re released this year in a new edition. Those are like mm. my go to books for maps. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? There was the Menard system just came out. Ah, really um, good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Yep. And then the what is the, it about the Minar system? It, it's all about Minar's it's maps. It's a reproduction of all of Minar's uh, uh, maps and, and graphics. I think fifty or so, yeah. and and really like longer um, introduction to his life, his work, his like um, commentary on his work. Really good, really well researched. And I mean, we're all familiar with the Napoleon's March, which is, mm-hmm, uh, was mm-hmm. called by Tufty the best yeah. infographic of all time. So it has become this sort of staple in data visualization. Um, but for instance, what you can learn from the book is that it's not really representative of the rest of his work. And he just <laughs> did it towards the end of his life, basically, and really just more as a little fun exercise, you know, it, and it doesn't have the, the rigor and the annotation and that all his other works have. So it's actually quite untypical, which is uh, interesting. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing book. So definitely take a look. And yeah. what we mentioned already is the data feminism book, which I'm really psyched about too, which right. is really this great like survey of of this whole idea of data feminism and, and what it's connected to, ideas of power and objectivity and whatnot. And just super well researched. I love the process with the open review and mm-hmm. um yeah, Catherine yeah. And, and Lauren Klein, uh, Catherine yep. Dignacio and Lauren Klein just do a great job of explaining that really complex topic in such an accessible way. There have been a couple of workbooks come out this year too, right? Scott Bernardo Mm -hmm. uh, did one that accompanies his Good Charts book. Then there's the uh, Dear Data, uh, Observe, Collect, Draw. Yeah. It's an interesting way of getting people uh, low-tech, right? Right, right. And it's not really a book to read, but a book to do. So it's yeah. like yeah. Exactly. Yes. You, you go yes. through the book and you have these little tasks and you, there's these empty spots on the page where you can try out stuff. And uh, it's, I, I love this one. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a few coming up in 2019. I think Alberto's, Alberto Cairo's book is probably coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't he have a book what? every year or am I wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This one is supposed to be very different. This one's for the the non data viz person, right? For consumers yeah. of data, he says yeah. this isn't a book yeah. for you. It's exactly. a book for your families and and everybody else you know. Yeah, I think it's called Why Charts Lie, something like yeah. that. Ooh, yeah. provocative yeah. title. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's a good title, yeah. and um, I'm also really curious about Info We Trust. Ali, mm-hmm. I think you had RJ Andrews on the show, and I I. I really enjoyed listening to him and it made me really curious about this book. If I understand correctly, it's been a real labor of love. I don't know how much time he spent on it. Yeah. And he has manually, right? He he did a lot of he the illustrations. Yeah, he's set a lot up of at the home office. Is, yeah, it's fantastic with like a light board where he draws and all of the yeah, he's put a yeah, yeah, a lot of tracing and yeah, it it was a labor of love. And it's just I think it's gonna be a great book to read, you know. 
it's just more about the craft of data storytelling, which I find really interesting because I never really, I haven't really thought of it like that. You know, I have learning, I've kind of just been absorbed in tools. And this is, I feel like will help me kind of get out more into the process and just feeling like it's more of a craft. Yeah. And I also feel there is not enough books out there that really teach you how to do visual storytelling with data, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, we all, there is a lot of information about how to create good charts, but not how to create the good narrative and how to interlace individual, individual plots together to make a story out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if yep. that's what it's in info we trust, but it sounds like it goes in this direction from your description. Mm-hmm. There's also, uh, Kieran Healy has a book coming out on, on um data visualization i think i think it's in i think everything's in r so he has it's how to create data visuals good data visualizations in r so mm-hmm. it has the sort of conceptual theoretical stuff and then the application with all the code and everything like that so um so that looks good i think that's early 2019 and then the other the 28 other other um 2018 book that i really like is the we du bois book oh um, yeah that you know and there's been a bunch of talk about mm-hmm. um his work yeah. Um, but this, this one looks, looks really good. I've, I've just started it, um, about the, the data portraits that Du Bois did of, of visualizing the demographics of the, of the U S, um, you know, around, uh, around that time of the year at the, in the early 1900s. So any books planned on your site guys? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we go. Oh, <laughs> Cole, let me ask to Cole. Cole, when is Cole? the next one? I hope there will be something in 2019. <laughs> there will be something in 2019. I couldn't resist. Yeah. I had to ask. John, anything in the back yeah. burner? Yeah, I've got one scheduled for 20, early 2020, which okay. seems too far away. It'll come fast. It <laughs> always does. Like 2020, really? It Ali, always does, yeah. Ali, are you already planning to turn your podcast into a book? Yeah, I think maybe I... I might need a little bit more material first, but <laughs> that would be a dream. <laughs> you have extensive, uh, extensive show notes already. So oh, that's yes, good. yes. I mean, you know, you're halfway there, maybe. Yeah, so. I yeah, I could just just print it out myself, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the there was the Mark Marin book where he basically just like. Oh yeah, just publish, publish show notes. Publishes yeah, that, publish show notes and just be there done. You go. That's the lazy man's <laughs> book, right? That's the lazy man's book. <laughs> Famous podcaster, blogger, and author. <laughs> and author. <laughs> Good. What else? <laughs> it's, it's going. Blogs, so websites, blogs. Last yeah, blogs. Before are, the, are blogs before the big fashionable. But we haven't talked about the multiple views one yet. Yeah. Right? I thought that would come up by now. Yes. Oh, That's yeah. True. Right. Yeah. So let me talk about this. So we decided to start a new blog, even if blogs don't seem to be fashionable anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> old people, and they call old people, <laughs> old people. So it's called Multiple Views Research Explained. So I think it's pretty much self explanatory. And um, so that's me and a bunch of other people from, from research. So it's um, Jessica Hallman, Daniel Zafir. And uh, Robert Kosara, we've been talking for a long time about how do we make um, research more accessible to people who just don't have time 
to to go to sift through papers or they just don't feel like because it's honestly boring. It's not just boring, it's even hard to find papers. It's not clear where where to look for something. And so we thought maybe a blog could be helpful there. So we started this experiment. So multiple views tries to so we are actually not the main writers behind the blog. The idea is that we act as editors and we encourage people from the academic community to write blog posts on specific topics they are interested in, right? So this can go from just explaining the content of a recent paper that they published, as well as, um, I don't know, talking about the state of the art of um, on a specific topic, as well as anything that is much more general but is rooted grounded on uh, research right and um, we had a few blog posts out already and I personally really enjoyed reading them Um, yeah so I encourage everyone to go to multiple views research explained we're gonna put the link here in the show notes Uh, that's hosted on medium and um, yeah and we would love to get some feedback and if there's anything you want us to publish there, let us know. Yeah, you're definitely off to a great start, and and I love this trend that you know researchers think about. Okay, what what what's the concise way I can now put out this research that I can get more people excited about it or understand what what it why it matters. So I think that's that's really great. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I. I Really enjoyed Martin Lambrecht's collection of xenographics. I think everybody this yes. year was like <laughs> yeah. really drooling over all these crazy graphics that, <laughs> that he collected there. And at the same time, so in a way, it's fun. It's like a you know this curiosity show of the the insane world of, of you know very specific graphic forms. But at the same time, he also demonstrates. I think that sometimes a very like to a purpose crafted visual form can deliver something no other form can give. And so it also plays into this design and crafting real advanced, also complex data experiences, which is actually like a really serious trend. So it's, <laughs> it's both fun and, and, and substantial, yeah. which is of course the best. <laughs> so I enjoyed <laughs> that one. What else? Maybe at the other end of the spectrum would be print, right? Uh, the Economist announced that they have started mm-hmm. to do a uh, graphic detail section in the print version of The Economist, which I think was new this year. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's big, actually, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And graphic detail is great. So uh, yeah. it's, it's uh, always worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the pudding, of course, the data wrapper blog, the book club from Lisa uh, Rost. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you found interesting to read or where you found good resources on the web? John well, um, yeah, so uh, Urban, Urban Institute, where I work, um, we have a new blog on Medium called Data at Urban, which is a sort of behind the scenes of how we do uh, data and data viz and, and research more generally. So it's, you know, and, and there's a few of these now, like the Pew research center has one that's similar like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brookings is Brookings institutions trying to, trying to pull one together. You know, they're all, you know, they're geared towards the research nonprofit sector of how do you leverage all these new technologies and tools? So you don't have to rely necessarily, you know, if you want to use social media data, for example, um, or you want to try to use machine learning, how would you do that? And so um, we have our various communications and technology and research teams writing, you know, blog posts. So that, that I, I think that space will start, will, will um, evolve over the next year uh, as well, 
um, to share all these lessons learned on how researchers can do a better job. So it's sort of the it's it's akin in some ways to the to the blog you were just talking about, Enrico. But it's mm-hmm. a little bit more of the how do you actually do research using all these different technologies and tools and platforms. So it's 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 an interesting space to to see how that will evolve. Okay. And then there's the the blog. Uh, the other one I'll mention is the the flourish the blog on flourish the flourish tool. Mm-hmm. Um, they've written a couple of really nice things that I, um, that I've really liked. They did a really neat one on getting rid of your legend and coloring the, the, the title that mm-hmm. like they had this like little dot plot of like two people who were running for office and they just colored the ti- the names and the title to correspond to the data values. I just thought that was, you know, a clever, uh, blog post. And of course linked to the tool, which is, which is nice too. Also, sorry, John, I don't want to make you blush, but I use your <laughs> policy viz, um, blog a lot also. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times, you know, just I follow nice. it, but then also just like Googling stuff, it pops up a lot. And so you're you're solving a lot of data viz problems. So <laughs> Thanks, Allie. <laughs> well, if we're passing around compliments, then uh, then then Cole deserves a shout out for the for the challenges, yeah. right? Because uh, and also oh, yeah, back to that the, was great. That right, was great. the the critique and the community. Like, I mean, they're you're so you've done what, like four or five of them? Uh, every month, so twelve. Every month, yeah. Okay, so oh, that wow. would be. Let's see if I can do the math. No, I'll just. Kidding. <laughs> uh, no, it's but fun, you were like, right? Some of, the, some of them had like hundreds of. Um, yeah, images well, I, I think for me it's twofold. One, it was just you know wanting there to be sort of a safe, fun place where if people are wanting to try out something new, where that's a graph type they haven't used before or a tool they haven't used before, that no one's going to attack, right? That it's you know friendly critique, uh, and then uh, and I'm always impressed at how many people iterate because I'll, I'll try to comment on Twitter of like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, using uh, I think Moritz, you were the one that asked it as a question, like you know, have you thought about this or did you think about that? <laughs> And then a lot of times people iterate, um, but then it also creates this really fun archive of, you know, if you want to go see 188 annotated line graphs, you can go and browse through the archives and see just a lot of visuals and try to figure out, you know, where, where do some things work? What might I want to emulate from other people's designs and, and where do they not? What do I want to avoid? So it's been really fun. It's way more manual probably than it should be because we, we pull together and share back all of the mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. examples that people create each month. But it's, it's yeah, that was that was my question. Are you yeah. are you asking your husband to take all of those <laughs> screenshots and piece them together. No, it's, I mean that's. I mean, I, I love and hate that's it. That's got to put pressure on a marriage call. No, just, no, no, <laughs> it's a ton of work, right? But I love seeing all of them. Me too. Yeah. And and people share what they're thinking a lot of times, and so yeah. I don't know. It's it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. And that really speaks again to this point from the very beginning that so many people are like moving into the field and putting their work out there, yeah. which is both yeah. uh, great. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Ali, you just reminded me. That I wanted to ask something else to John. <laughs> I think, no, seriously, Uh-oh. on a serious note, John, you've been really good at creating little database products, right? So you have the graphic continuum, you have the uh, the cards the that card you created, game. the yeah. playing cards. Maybe you want to briefly talk about that. I, I really, really like, you've been consistently able to create little products out there. And I think it's, it's a great way of, yeah, making progress in visualization in general. Right? Yeah, so, well, so, okay, so first off, so I have, yeah, I have this graphic continuum project, which is essentially a library of 90-some-odd graphs, which, to sort of head off the criticism, like, I don't view it as an answer key. Like, it's not an answer key. There is no sure. answer key to this sure. question, right? Um, and I think it's great for beginners as well as, like, I use it all the time. Like, I have the sheet sitting on my desk, and I'm sort of, when I'm frustrated and I'm saying, oh, I've got this part to hold data, like I need to, you know, get out of whatever box, like can I go to look at that? So 
Severino Rebecca, who runs the DataViz catalog, and I created uh, the first couple things, and then we created a game. And the game, the the we just wanted to create something fun, and mm-hmm. so the game was fun. But where it really sort of for me sort of crystallized is when I brought brought it to my son's fourth grade class, <laughs> and I gave them out. We did a little tournament, and it's really fascinating to see you know nine and ten year olds looking at, you know, a waffle chart and a Sankey diagram saying like, okay, I get this, but like, what is it? And then you have to sit down and like draw and show it and show it and, you know. John, can you briefly explain how the game works for those who haven't seen it? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so there are, (laughs) so there are 31 cards. They're all, they're all circles. There's 31 cards in the deck and each card has eight graph, eight graphs on them. It's these little drawn icons. And they they vary. They're all the same color, but they vary in size. So that's just to mess up your brain a little bit. So the way the core way the game is played is everybody gets a card uh, face up and then you put the deck in them, the remaining cards in the middle face up. And then what you do, there's one graph. There's one exact match between each card. So Mm -hmm. as an individual, you look at your card and you try to find the graph on the deck in the middle. And then you take that card and then you continue until the deck is gone. So you look for, you know, waffle chart, Sankey diagram, whatever. So, you know, the fourth graders were great. I played it at Info Plus with a a bunch of people (laughs) over, you know, too much um, beers. Um, And, uh, you know, Andy Kirk, of course, had to record it because, you know, he just wants to try to get more on data stories just as many times as he can. So, um, (laughs) so I want um, one. I want one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring one to you, Enrico. I'll come right up there. Um, it's, you know, again, it's not an answer key. It's not intended to be an answer key, but it's intended as for kids, at least it's a, it's a learning device. It's a little bit more fun. I, when I did this thing with my kids class, you know, they all got a little deck, and I figured, okay, well, they'll go home and just toss it in their pile of stuff in their room. And uh, it turns out that I talked to a, a few of the parents that later that week, and they were like, yeah, I had to play this card game that you made with my kid. <laughs> like, what are these graphs? And I'm like, this is great. This is exactly the, the whole This goal. is how we'll solve the data um, literacy problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this right? <laughs> one one cart one kid taunting a parent at a time over <laughs> they know what a waffle chart is and the parent doesn't. So um yeah, you know, there's a few of these out there, you know, um there's the sort of the classic Andrew Abella chart chooser and mm-hmm. uh, there's a few of those out there. Um I think Steve Frickinary yeah, had one actually that oh, came yeah. out this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was yeah, a really nice There's more cheat and more sheet. good chart catalogs. It's, yeah. In the past, I was yeah. always like, oh, it's kind of difficult yeah. to like yeah. find a definite catalog, and now we have yeah. five, which is great. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's great. It's all it's all it's all fun and games until someone gets a paper cut. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I think we should try to wrap up. Oh, yeah. maybe we should briefly mention what didn't happen. I think yeah, Moritz after all these say. good news, we need a good yeah. downer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one thing I was missing is interesting VR and AR work, yeah. which is, I was like, at the beginning of the year, I was like, ah, should I get into this? Should I get an iPhone 10? <laughs> I was like, ah, come yeah. on, let's sit this one out and just see what, you know, what the other people do. And then nothing interesting came. So I'm, I'm yeah. a bit bummed. Even so. though I have to say at this, there have been a couple of really, really good demos. Yeah. Okay. Did you see yeah. the one from Christoph Herter? I don't think so, no. Ah, but I saw an wow. image of him wearing the headset he gave, where he was, it looked like he was spaced out. So it It's was, the uh, first time yeah. I saw something, some database on VR that 
uh, was really something. You should see okay. it. It's okay, like, so I might check this one out. Yeah, be, yeah, at the end of the otherwise. session, I went to him. I was yeah. like, can I try it? Please tell me. <laughs> and I was really, really impressed. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. so it's the first time. So it first just time. hasn't reached me then. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, there, I'll be open to that. Yeah. yeah. There was that um, augmented reality one on the Weather Channel. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I think it's right You're where right. the 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 broadcaster she was talking about was the amount of water from yes. the hurricane or whatever it was, and yeah, yeah, yeah. they had a sort of like behind her the but water. It's more like a video feeling. composite, right? It's yeah, like they it's like green screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was it, was, it was done really well. Yeah. Done really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 And I yeah. think they're putting a lot of money into that into that approach. Yeah, yeah I read an article that. about it. Yeah. I think they, they built a whole studio and they plan yeah. to do mm. it for more. Mm. Yeah. More I amazing. mean, that is yeah. something where we should maybe talk more to people who do professional 3D yeah. illustration, yeah. let's say, for scientific yeah. concepts and so on. So these are some of the scenes that are not well connected and there could be a lot of really yeah. interesting yeah. work. Coming out of collaborations there. I know National Geographic does a bit of 3D stuff, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, that was a good one. That's true. So, okay, some things are happening. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, it's like thinking more about, okay, what would you like to see? Are there any things that you're hoping for for the next year or what, what you think will be logical, like what will happen next year logically as an extrapolation of this year? Where do you see things headed or where would you like to see them headed? (laughs) Any thoughts? Ali, you want to start? Oh, yeah. Well, I think that something I would love to see in 2019 is more work um, in different mediums, like Amy Cecil's Dado Viz, where she's making visualizations out of Play-Doh. I would love to see people do more, yeah, yeah. experimenting visualizations with different mediums, you know, things like Play-Doh or I don't even know what. You know, I think that experimentations Mm. like that lead to um, advancements in the field and also, you know, people's creative ideas. You know, one idea leads you to another idea. Uh, so that kind of stuff fascinates me. So that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for in 2019, more but more visualizations in different mediums. Yeah, cool. What else? Cole? Well, we talked about this at the onset, but more criticism, but more productive criticism. I think figuring out hmm. you know, what are the what's the right hmm. forum for this, what are the sort of rules mm-hmm. of engagement. You know, Ali, to your point mm-hmm. earlier on, you know, you sort of wrap up your identity with your work, and so it feels like this personal attack. Mm-hmm. How do we make it not feel like that? Uh, because I think that's mm-hmm. one of the ways that we continue to advance is by having good conversations about what works and what doesn't, and where can we push and where does it not make sense to. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, again, that's very much connected to this fractal nature of the field that, you know, everything's happening in parallel. Everybody has a slightly different spin on things. And there's the corporate world, there's the art world, there's the scientists, there's the graphic designers. Yeah, maybe that's it, right? How do we get more connected? And I see our evolution, like, not in a sequence, but more branching out in all directions at once. (laughs) And so I think we need to come together sometimes and say, like, okay, regardless of all these different backgrounds, what is the shared values, you know, that we all have? And what can we also say about somebody else's work in a different, like, subfield, let's say? But again, as you say, how do we also say that? And and how do we also understand that all of our approaches and, and um, goals and, and methods might be totally different and might not be all that comparable <laughs> in the end? So. Yeah, I think part, part of... It's, it's not easy, right? Because you can do that with many different formats. And I think it used to be that blogs, a one, one person blog used to be the format that we used to 
to to give criticism, right? So you either go from snarky, short messages on Twitter, or we used to have blog. I think Robert Cosara used to do that mm, with Eager Eyes yep. to some extent. Yeah. I really I used to enjoy a lot the y-axis. Oh yeah, uh, which unfortunately oh, yeah. is no longer there, but it seemed to be the closest thing to giving good mm. criticism, right? Mm. So nobody has taken that role anymore. Um, maybe probably probably one one problem there is that it's it takes a lot of time to do it well, right? <laughs> yeah. And most of these projects are just side projects, and um, yeah, it takes a lot of effort. One thing I'm wondering, I've never seen anything substantial on, say, anyone having a YouTube channel of some sort or anything that is more <laughs> video oriented, That's which terrible. may actually make it easier to write. You just turn the camera on, you show the the graphics you want to talk about. Hmm. Maybe you don't have to spend so much time writing and having everything super polished. I don't know. I'm wondering if this could be... Yeah an interesting format that people didn't explore yet. Andy and Eva do that with Makeover Monday. They People can volunteer oh, their okay. work and then they host this live, okay. they give feedback, and then the expectation is the person goes and then iterates based on that feedback, which is sort of an okay. interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. wow. I was yeah. not aware of that, yeah. And Anne-Marie has a pretty live YouTube channel, but it's more on how to create visualizations as opposed yeah. to critiques. But it's it's one of the YouTube channels that is, I think... I mean, yeah, one of the better ones in data viz, you know, sort of general data viz. I mean, there are other great YouTube course or video courses for all the tools, but I think mm. Anne does a Anne does a good job of talking about um, uh, data viz sort of generally. And she has this. Um, it's probably another back to the courses thing that we were talking about earlier. She has this year long course that she's doing where it's sort of uh, it's a group. It's it's I think it's ten different people teaching a different segment, and so. People sign up for the course, and every week I think they get a new video, but it's from a different person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else for the future? Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm thinking about is a bit like it's a lot of like now again data visualization people talking to data visualization people, <laughs> obviously, yeah. and and so we we always like evaluate what other data viz people do. But I mean, in our day jobs, we of course talk to stakeholders and like people external to the field and what expectations they have and what experiences they have. And I'm wondering if as a field we do a good job of being in touch with outside communities on the one hand and, and our, let's say, clients in many ways as a whole field, right? And do we explain well our methodology, again, this shared value system or any like shared processes? Um, and, and my feeling is a bit that we all do that individually in our personal relationships, but that the field as a whole maybe doesn't do a great job of selling itself, <laughs> you know, or like presenting itself at least in, in these bigger contexts. What, what's, what's your take on all this? I mean, I think the field is, is because it's so segmented and so diverse right. in, in yeah. where people are coming from, it's hard to do that. I think that's part of my challenge of thinking about the evolution of the field rooted in tools, the way mm -hmm. people are you know, sort of currently talking about is like, you know, there are these tools and then there's these tools and now there's a new set of tools. And I, you know, the people I work with and probably similar to the people that uh, Cole talks to and, and maybe even you, Mortz, is, you know, that's not what's driving 
their thought process about visualizing data. It's not about how tools are evolving. Nice, it's about business how problems the culture and, and their organization. what you're trying to solve for. And yeah, it's the it's the culture of the organization and how do we you know how do we make it clearer and how do we do you know how do we put visualizations on a on a social media page? It's not about which library or which tool we use. I mean, that's important, but so I, so to me thinking about the evolution of the field is really hard because it's so different and diverse and segmented. I do think one of the trends that I've seen this year specifically on the business side is because before there was very much this focus on, well, how do we visualize data, right? How do we do, what are best practices? How do you, how do you make a graph? Mm. And it's moved beyond that in a lot of ways to people are really recognizing we've got a lot of data out there. We have a ton of tools that we can use or a ton of ways we can visualize, but how do we not just show the data, but actually tell a story with it and get people to understand mm-hmm. and pay mm-hmm. attention because people are just inundated by more and more data viz. And so figuring out how do you make yours the one that people gravitate towards and pay attention to and use it to solve something. It, the conversations on that side, on the business side, have seemed very different in the past year uh, than in the past. Yeah, th- that's my experience too, that once you do a data visualization project in a larger organization, it's always tied to question of digitization in general, and like the data revolution, and you come, you become the sort of stand-in, you know, or this hook where everybody can can put their expectations, but but also fears and and, and reservations about this whole topic, and. So suddenly then you become part of this much bigger uh, conversation, actually. And then it's much less about, well, do we use a tree map or a bubble chart? Because that really doesn't matter uh, at this point anymore, right? And we we seem to have moved from asking people who, you know, in the past were just data analysts and their job was to work with the data and then spit out an 80-page PDF with tables. We're now asking them to make graphs and to make them and look to be able good. To explain them to someone and then, else. you know, asking them maybe to make interactives. And now we're mm-hmm. asking them to, you know, yeah. tell stories with data, you know, tell, you know, you know, how do you do that? And what's the right way? And, you know, now you have, now you have, you know, all these new requirements as part of your job, all these new skill sets that you need to um, collect or, or perfect. And, you know, the pressure is maybe on for people to to figure out the better ways to do this. And of course- But it's opportunity, right? For the people who choose to develop in those ways. Yeah, to choose to develop it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the last thing I'll say about developments for 2019 is uh, diversity. And, you know, a lot of things I think that we've been talking about sort of society-wide in the past years is diversity and inclusion and implicit bias. Um, you know, we, you know, I think we've all talked about trying to get diverse set of guests on all of our shows um, you know, especially, you know, outside the U.S. a little bit more and to some of the places where it's harder to find guests for whatever reason. Um, and there was a there was a little kerfuffle early in the year about the lineup at Info Plus that it seemed very uh, white. Right. And um, so I think that's a, another part. And maybe that's just that, you know, a continuing of the evolution of the field is more people create more things and they go out there more that you you just widen the circle. And it'll just be a natural evolution of things that you will find, you know, a more diverse uh, group of people creating visualizations and commenting and blogging and making podcasts. Um, Yeah, 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 more podcasts. More podcasts. More podcasts. (laughs) That's a huge topic. It's a huge topic. I think part of it, I am aware, I mean, again, we could record the whole episode (laughs) on that, right? But I am aware of existing research of people who are trying to look into... So that's another problem, that the segment of the population that is actually um, looking at these visualizations and that we refer to is very small. It's normally just highly educated, 
are pretty rich people, right? And that's a very small proportion of the population. So mm. we typically don't talk to people, to the rest, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's another issue there. Um, yeah, there are so many, so many. Yeah, it's sort of both. I think we have this automatic bias there and this automatic, like, as you say, like skewed selection. At the same time, I think a lot of people moving into data visualization, the, the hope is to make all these like super complex technological things more accessible also to, yeah. you know, yeah. different sets of people. And so I think we have a critical role to play there, but at the same time, we shouldn't just assume everything's fine or, you know, things will sort out themselves because <laughs> yeah. they won't. And so, yeah. yeah, for me trying to find guests for my show, Fizz's to, to feature, you know, it has, I have specifically tried to get a wide range of people, but it has been hard because I feel like some groups are more used to um, promoting their work than others. And so, you know, when you're yes. looking for visualizations, sometimes you find ones, you know, you find the ones on the top and then you got to dig a little further, the people who aren't, you know, promoting their work as much because maybe they don't either ha have the resources or they're just, you know, they're not used to it. That's not how they were raised or they don't know how. So I think that, you know, just digging a little bit further past the initial layer and also encouraging and enabling people to promote their work is a helpful way towards diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think another interesting issue that Elijah raised the other day on Twitter is this idea that we don't seem to have a lot of intellectual diversity, right? So the data vis world and the media world tend to be mm. pretty progressive, right? And um, we don't know what the other people think or other people can do, right? And um, so I think that's in, that's a that's another very interesting interesting problem there. I think there has been a lot of people talking about the, the problem of intellectual diversity. And um, yeah, we don't talk about this and it's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> so much happened this year. That seems like a That's low it. point to end on, folks. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. scratched the surface and it's like yeah. two hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think as a whole, we can say that feels like, yeah, it's still so much going on. There's no... <laughs> No way this is going to stop anytime soon. <laughs> it's, it's getting more and more uh, interesting stuff happening. And, and a so lot, I guess, true. I guess to, to, to Cole's point of not ending on a downer, I think the, the great thing about the field is that a lot of the action seems to be, and Ali mentioned this earlier, I think a lot of the action is taking place um, at, at, you know, sort of the analysts, whatever you want to call that level of, of people who are just creating mm. and working and, mm. you know, even, even just making things either for fun or because they they want to answer an interesting question or they find some interesting data. And if that's, um, you know, I don't want to think of it like a hierarchy, but it seems like, you know, that's where a lot of the fun, innovative things are, are starting to, to come from is people who are just, like hobbyists, mm -hmm. right? It seems like, yeah. like the hobbyists mm -hmm. are yeah. driving mm -hmm. things. When it allows a lot more voices into the conversation in a way that's productive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, folks, I think we <laughs> we we had enough, right? <laughs> that's a beefy... <laughs> you gave Duster and Florian a lot to do. Yeah, exactly. Song, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, which reminds me, I would like to conclude by... Thanking Destri and Florian who are behind the curtains doing Yay, so, much. <laughs> <laughs> so much work for data stories. Um, yeah, the show just couldn't happen without their help. So thanks so much, Destri and Florian. And thanks to all of you 
for agreeing on coming on the show to talk about what happened in 2018. I'm really excited about this episode. It's been lots of fun and I guess very informative. Thanks for having me. Yeah. People have enough 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 to listen during the <laughs> during yeah. the holidays. The holidays are now filled with lots of <laughs> right. talks and articles and projects to look at. The whole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. happy holidays to everyone. And also thanks to you, our listeners and our supporters. Yeah. Uh, everybody who supports us on Patreon. Thanks so much. And we'll we'll for sure keep going the next year, right, Enrico? I guess so. Ah. <laughs> and I hope all of you too, yes, Ali, yes. Cole, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. John. Very yep. good. Yeah. That's fantastic. And yeah, maybe we can have another uh, gathering of the podcast giants uh, next year. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks all. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey folks, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is now completely crowdfunded. So you can support us by going on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash data stories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. And here's also some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash data stories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash data stories podcast, all in one word. And we also have a Slack channel uh, where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and there is a button at the bottom of the page. And we also have an email newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish an episode, you can go to our own page, datastory.es, and look for the link you find at the bottom in the footer. So one last thing we want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or amazing people you want us to invite or even projects you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And don't hesitate to get in touch with us. It's always a great thing for to hear from you. So see you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories.